All right, good morning, men. I think we're all uh, experiencing uh, that six more weeks of winter that we're going to get as a result of uh, Punxsutawney Phil seeing his shadow. Hope everybody is healthy. We are having discussion this morning about uh, all the, the flu and sickness, so hopefully you and your families are, uh, are healthy. I uh, went to visit my financial planner the other day to see if there's any chance that I'll be able to retire before I die. And uh, <laughs> I think there, I guess it uh, depends on whether the government has any money left to, uh, to give me at that time. But uh, so I just, the uh, question, how, how many of you are, consider yourself retired? You know, when somebody asks you, I'm, I'm retired. All right. So we've got a few, how many of you hope to retire? Someday, yeah, I think everybody does. You know, we, uh, they're, they're, you probably all heard that the Bible doesn't speak of retirement as we know it. Uh, you know, in this country, we always continue to work for the Lord and serve. And uh, I can say that I know that many of you who are retired have, I have been the recipient, beneficiary of your, your continuing efforts to, um, uh, to serve uh, in the name of, of the Lord. So, uh, the only other thing I wanted to say this morning, just uh, before we meet again, <clears throat> kind of on a secular note, it will be Valentine's Day, so don't forget your oh wives, your, your wives, your daughters, your uh, girlfriends, daughters. whatever. Yes. You got to buy stuff for the daughters. Oh, I, I, I used to. That My daughters, yeah, I, okay. I established a tradition back when they were younger and uh, was taking them things, and then once you establish it, uh, wow. but actually it was my wife who always had a Valentine's breakfast. On that morning, Jameson can remember that, that they always remembered getting up and getting a special breakfast on on Valentine's Day. My so, goodness. anyway, but all right. So, E Myth revisited. So, Paul, the way to have enough money, you know, to have money enough money through the rest of your life is just to die young. That'll work. <laughs> oh. Hey, how about Sunday? How many of you? Uh, yes. Are excited about the the Eagle the Super Bowl win, huh? It was such a good game. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Don. Yeah, Don's here. Don is rooting for New England. Hey, you it's guys, all right. They're Don, good. you've won enough. What? You guys have won enough. And you had, on all these people, you know, who are going to be in heaven with you forever, Don, whether were the people who won the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was, uh, I, I love the articles, apparently. Uh, there are articles running in the Philly paper every day for those last two weeks. Uh, about how the whole team was Christian and Nick Foles is planning to be a youth pastor after he gets out of uh, uh, quarterbacking. So I threw in that picture of him pointing to heaven because uh, everybody points to heaven, yeah. but I have a feeling he actually meant it. And did you did you see the post game? Yeah. Some of those interviews? Yeah. And their head coach and Foles and a couple other guys just giving glory to God for the opportunity to be there and all this. It was, yeah. It was really cool. I love the fact they do that. And the media, of course, the media just loves it when they do that. Yes. Yeah, yeah CBS and, is so big on that. <laughs> yeah, tell us more about Jesus. That's what they say. So here's the interesting thing. You've got these guys who are pros, and you've got the pro head coach. He's saying, you know, Jesus is the best. Thank you, God, all that stuff. But then you've got some of these high school coaches, and if they go out and say the same thing, then they lose their job. Good point. I don't yeah, understand it. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. So uh, after a terrible uh, we, last week uh, for KU and K-State <laughs> basketball, this week's turned out well. KU squeezed by TCU this week at home. And last night, huge win. KSU was behind most of the game. Some of you are following it. And then, then that guy that sort of come off the bench, Jara, got – 
five quick points, and they ended up squeezing out the win at the end. So that was huge. I got to go to the women's game last night in Manhattan, K-State, and our girl, the girl from TBC, uh, Peyton Williams had a double-double. She had 19 points and 10 rebounds, and they did a great job and won. So Good for her. Life is good this week. That's awesome. Lord can come back. We just, we just <laughs> have won all these big games. Percent. So we're in this interesting book here. The, the E-Myth. E-Myth Revisited. Revisited. Yeah. So what? So the E-Myth is, what is uh, this? the entrepreneurial <laughs> myth. That entrepreneurs, you know, someone who's, you know, creatively starts a business. And that myth is that small businesses are started by entrepreneurs who risk capital to gain a profit. But believing in that myth it leads to the small business failure. What's the percentage of small businesses that fail? It's, Was it like 80%? Eighty percent of small businesses fail within the first five years, I think, and then, um, or maybe within the first year, and then after the first five years, like maybe another eighty percent of those know. of it's those some, who continue fail. Else. Some something. of you probably have tried starting small businesses, and you can tell stories this morning. So, the fatal assumption he in this book uh, that he says is if you understand the technical work of a business, you'll understand a business that does technical work. So that's a famous line that this book gives. If you understand the technical work of a business, like cutting people's hair as a barber, then you understand how to start a barber shop. Is that true? And Gerber says, no. He sort of tells this sad story about how you have this employee who just is really good at uh, making cakes or cutting hair or whatever. And they have a problem with their boss. And so they say, and so he says they have an e-seizure. Yes. Entrepreneurial seizure. I'm just going to start my own. So they start a company. They know the technical side, but they don't know how to do the other parts of the business, like managing help or... um, the books, yeah, the books. Dealing with all that, selling, you know, and um, and they have this fatal assumption that it's going to work out, and as a result, you know, this reminded me this morning of this uh, book that used to be really big about thirty years ago, called the Peter Principle, which is uh, that inside it's related to this, it's different, but inside a company, people will get promoted. They're very successful, so they get advanced, they get promoted, they be, you know up the ladder. And finally, they're promoted to the level, their managers rise to the level of their incompetence. They stop getting promoted once they start doing an awful job. And anyway, that's kind of related to this. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, would you take us through, you know, we, we chatted yesterday. What is it we could learn from this book? And we thought it was that part that starts in chapter two, which is that there are three different kinds of personalities. Uh, that that are really important to understand. Yeah, so these are th- these are really interesting, and I had never quite thought about it this way until checking out this book. But one of the main the main themes, one of the main mantras throughout this book, is that there are three personality types. So you've got the entrepreneur. This is kind of the the visionary person. This is the one who's living in the future. This is the one who's innovating, always trying to think of something new to do. This, then there's the manager. So this is the person who's making sure everything is functioning how it should be, managing people, managing resources, doing all of those things, um, typically living in the, in the past. 
they call it. So, so based he, off he lives of in the future, yeah. The the manager. Oh, the manager. Yeah, Got it. yeah. Sorry. He's he's living there. He's he's the planner. He's the organizer. He's the one who's going to make sure to try to keep all of that energy and momentum from the entrepreneur in check. And then you've got the technician. And so this is the guy. These these are your mechanics. These are the the skill people doing those those specific jobs. And so the technician. This would be the person who's cutting the hair, the person who's making the cakes, the person who has those different skills, and that's their their key thing that they're doing. And they kind of live in the present because they're working on the project that they're working on. They're not really concerned about the past and how does that impact the future and all that. And they're also not really concerned about how do we make this thing grow? How can we expand? How can we do these different things in business? And the one of the key things is that each of us, Gerber asserts, each of us has a little bit of each of these inside of us. And so we're not just isolated to one of these categories, but in many aspects of our lives, we actually have all three, maybe in differing proportions depending on our specific job. Yeah, because doesn't he say that on the average... Um, there are fewer entrepreneurs than there are managers, and there are fewer managers than there are technicians. It's like, I think the numbers are like 70% versus our technicians, 20% managers, 10% are natural entrepreneurs. So they're a lot more rare. So um, understanding this maybe can help us. And then maybe saying, okay, if there's a little bit of all three of these in me, maybe I should be sort of working on what you know in order to make my business a success or my job maybe i need to start working on one of those that i'm not naturally good at yeah i think that's one of the things as i was reading through for me that that stuck out as something that could be useful is which one of these can i grow in and in what specific areas and i think of the role that i have now so in in the student ministry pastor role i've got the entrepreneurial hat that i that i wear and so that's what new programs are we going to do, um, evaluating, uh, where, where can we expand, what can we do. But then there's also the manager hat that I'll wear because we've got a team of, of great volunteers and, and Bill's one of those Thanks for your volunteers help, on a regular basis. So yeah. So there, there's people there, there, there's resources that I need to manage. So there's that aspect too. But then I also have part of the, the technician role. So the actual teaching that I'll do or the, or the preparing for the different lessons or planning for different things. So we don't have a whole lot to cover this morning, but we thought we'd just hammer down on this one thing and ask you to sort of think about who are you most like? Which of these categories are, are you sort of naturally, as God sort of made you most naturally to be? And which of these uh, are you surrounded by at work? Uh, and maybe which of these is God calling you to become a little, are you called to exercise right now in your life? So so let's look at these three categories. First of all, the entrepreneur, just to remind you of what Derek said earlier. This is the guy who lives in the future, whereas the manager lives in the past and the technician lives in the present. The entrepreneur is never in the past. He's rarely even in the present. He's happiest, person is happiest when you leave them free to innovate and strategize and create new methods and programs. And they have an extraordinary need for control. 
They need to have control of all the people and events right now in the present so that they can concentrate on their dreams. And right now you should start thinking, I, I'm thinking right now of a friend who's a pastor who is an entrepreneur from start to finish. So you ought to be thinking of people maybe at your work right now. Try to put a name to this. Third, they create lots of havoc around them, which is unsettling for the people that they recruit, right? And fourth, they view the whole world as full of two things, full of golden opportunities and dragging feet. That is, to the entrepreneur, most people are slow foot draggers that are getting in the way of his dreams. If they would just catch up to me, all right? So that should make you understand a little bit better what the entrepreneur is like. The manager craves order. Got to have order. He's the guy... Um, He's the guy who's following the entrepreneur around cleaning up his messes because he can't stand to have messes. And so, and he clings to the status, she clings to the status quo. When the entrepreneur sees opportunity and calls for change, the manager's all going, whoa, 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 whoa. Lots of problems with that. Not sure that's going to work. Now, the interesting thing about uh, the author here says it's the tension between the entrepreneur's vision and the manager's pragmatism that creates the synthesis from which all great work is born. That was fascinating. That is really interesting. Yeah, he said you can't really have a business without managers. I mean, the whole thing, if you just have like some visionary, things won't ever get going. Well, you know, it'll never really happen well. So that was, that was quite interesting. Yeah, I, I think about the kind of the relationship between these three as, you know, growing up and playing sports, I kind of think of these three categories as owner, coach, player. Oh, great idea. So the player is the technician, the coach is the manager, the owner is the entrepreneur. And for those of you guys who have you know, played athletics or done different things, you guys know that not just because, be, simply because somebody was really good at their sport, maybe they're a really good quarterback, really good point guard, doesn't automatically make them a great coach. Even though they know all those technical skills, there's, there's certain things that come with being a manager that... Unless you learn them, they're, they're not just naturally there. And the same is true. Just because you're a really good manager, you're a really good coach, doesn't mean that you're going to be a great business owner. This is interesting because, you know, some business owners are, uh, I mean, you have to say Jerry Jones and George Steinbrenner are famous entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But jo ever since Jones uh, owned the Cowboys, they've only won like one playoff game in 20 years. So he's a great entrepreneur when it comes to building a huge new stadium, maybe. Mm -hmm. But he's not a great entrepreneur owner when it comes to building a good football team. Whereas John Sherholtz, remember of the Kansas City Royals, was a great owner when it came to changing a team from a perennial loser. This is whole this whole sports thing is really interesting to me. Yeah, there's, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. I, I've seen it too. When you do have somebody who maybe they did play the sport, or yeah. did, did the activity. And then they jump into coaching, and they're not very good coaches. Yeah, they're they're not very motivating. They're not very. Well, I remember you know, when encouraging a, yeah. or, yeah, like Michael Jordan was a terrible owner. <laughs> no, but, but and, yeah. and 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 somehow it's the guy who who rode the pine in basketball, who becomes a great coach oftentimes. Yeah, that's rather a, than the star. Because most of the time, if you guys look at coaches in any major league whether it's baseball or basketball football a lot of the guys that are the best coaches 
weren't the best name or biggest name players yeah. when they were playing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you think of a guy like Bill Belichick, <laughs> who's arguably one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time, but I don't remember hearing a whole lot about him as, as a player of no. being an all-star and, and doing all these different things. That's a good point. All right, finally, the technician, the guy who lives in the present, not the manager's past nor the entrepreneur's future. He thrives on tinkering, getting stuff done. I have a brother like this. It's just funny. And as long as he's working, this guy's happy, but only working on one thing at a time because he knows the two things can get done at the same time. Only a fool would ever try that. So he works steadily, and he's happiest when he's in control of the workflow. You know guys like this. You know guys like this. So while the entrepreneur dreams and the manager is over in the corner fretting, the technician is thinking about the work that needs to get done, and he's not interested in ideas. He starts floating ideas. He falls asleep. He's just interested in how to do it. So talk to us about the balance. So he says, he says the goal, maybe for all of us, and this is where we wanted to get to this morning. This is the last slide we have. And that is the goal is somehow to combine these uh, and have the best of them. Yeah, I think one of the things that will be really helpful for all of us is to think about how are we naturally wired? Which one of these, the entrepreneur, the manager, the technician, do we get, get the most joy out of doing? Do we have the most uh, skill at? Which, which one of those makes us the happiest? And then we can compare our role that we're in, whether it's probably our, our primary job or um, our role at home or, or wherever it is. But if we're thinking about our jobs, to think about if my main gifting, if my main uh, thing is being an entrepreneur, am I going to be happiest working in a technician-type role? Or the opposite, too. If, if I'm primarily a technician, that, that's the thing that I love, that's the thing that I enjoy the most. I love working on my one project, doing my one thing, not really worried about the planning and all that kind of stuff. Am I going to be happiest in a role as a manager? Or am I going to be most satisfied, most fulfilled in a role doing something that is technical, that is that technician role? And so we all have all three of these, but given our specific roles that we're in, which one of these things do we need to grow in? So if I'm in a manager-type role, which entrepreneur things do I need to grow in? Or maybe which technical things do I need to grow in? And then how does that affect our family as well. Because I think about going home and there's certain things that, that we do in our homes as leaders, as men of our households, certain things we need to be the entrepreneur in. We need to be forward thinking. What, what are we planning for? What are we shooting for? We also need to be the manager. So keeping the day-to-day things running smoothly, but we also need to be the technician. And depending on how you guys, how we all divide up our, our different household duties, Maybe some of the technician things would be paying the bills, keeping the money right in the house, keeping the calendar, you know, some of those cooking, some of those technical things. And how do we balance all of those in each area of our life and which one can, can we grow in? I think we can, some, we can get along for long periods of time just in our natural, uh, what we're good at, gifted at, but then our wife or our boss or somebody else comes along and says, I'm really looking for something more out of you. I'm looking for someone who'd be a better manager of the children here in the home, and you're not doing that. 
Or I'd like for I like I like to get a little more creative at work. And and you're a technician or a manager, and this person, your boss, wants you to be more of an entrepreneur. So understanding this can sort of help you understand. Yeah, that's not my natural thing, but I can do it, and maybe the Lord wants me to. And so as it ties into the title, the E myth, like we stated at the beginning, the E myth is that most small businesses are started by entrepreneurs. But when we look at the stats, we know that only about 10% of people are truly entrepreneurs. And so you see small businesses being started by technicians or you see small businesses being started by managers and they don't have that necessarily that natural gifting to be entrepreneurs, which is why most businesses fail was the, kind of the, the conclusion yep. of the book. That's what we thought was the best part. By the way, next week, in fact, the next two weeks, we have this amazing book coming up, Mindset. You're going to really love this. This is the new psychology of success, and it's uh, really practical. Parenting, business, school, relationships. This is going to be a great book. So we've got some group discussion starters today. Are you by nature an entrepreneur, manager, or technician? Uh, number two, is there an entrepreneur in your life or at your work? This is a less common personality. It's sort of the Peter in the Bible, right? Or uh, Yeah, Peter or Paul. Paul, and they were Paul entrepreneurs. Paul you know, going all over, yeah. planting these different churches, doing all these things. They both drove people crazy, <laughs> yeah. created havoc. Yep. Yeah. So think of the person you report to at work, which, which is he or she. If you're a mix of all three of these, say 10% entrepreneur, 20% manager, 70% technician, which of the three do you need to be using more of at this moment in your life or work or home? Yeah, those are good. Yeah. Can I pray for us? Please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for gifting us all in different ways. Um, thank you for the opportunity that each of us can have and, and do have each and every day to represent you the best that we can for your kingdom. Help us to shine a light. Help us to make your name famous in our workplaces, in our homes, um, in any, every area of life. And help us identify these three different areas, these three different personalities, and show us areas where we are gifted in, but also show, show us areas that we can grow in. In Jesus' name, amen.